Yeah, welcome. I'm so glad you're here at Sugar Hill Church today. There are literally in this county and the counties around us, there are hundreds of churches you could have spent your Sunday morning with. And I'm so grateful you're here. Thank you. Uh, Zach, when I hear that old hymn, I picture a day when I was probably about, uh, I don't know, 11 or 12 years old at First Baptist Church in Daytona Beach, Florida. And um, my pastor at the time was a dude by the name of Vernon Brown. And when you did, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, Vernon always did this one thing. He said, this is a remembrance to prayer. You, you only take the things that are so significant in your life that are the most significant things in your life. You only take it to someone that you could say of them that tis so sweet to trust. So uh, I bet there are people in this room that have come in here and your week has just been brutal. I bet there are folks who have come in here and your marriage is just driving you bat crazy. I bet there are folks that have come in here and, and your kid, I, you just don't know what else to do. I bet there's folks that are in here who, who are fighting cancer or are fighting with someone that has cancer. I just know there are a lot of people in a chaotic world that have some kind of junk going in their life. And I deeply believe, I mean, to the marrow of my bone, that when you get to a house of the Lord, you ought to be able to let your shoulders fall and sink into the sea a little bit and know that you know that you know that where you're at, you are received, you are accepted, you are loved, and there is an answer to discover peace wherever you are at because his name is so sweet, you can trust this Jesus so I'm going to ask you to just let's do Tis So Sweet, that little refrain one more time. And I'm going to ask you, if you would, to join me. If you're here today and there's something that's weighing so significantly on your heart, no matter what it may be, just stand up. Just go ahead. Just stand up. There's something weighing on your heart. You want the Lord to do something in your life. There's something you're waiting for God to do. You want to trust that God can do. Maybe it's something that only God can do. But you'd say, that's me, Chuck. I, I need that today. I want to claim that this Jesus that I trust so much, he will deliver. Amen. I'm going to pray and let's sing. And those of you that are standing, these other folks are going to join you when we start singing. God... You are the creator of the universe who flung the stars and the lakes and the animals into creation with your very voice. And your kids are coming to you this day knowing you are the creator and the sustainer of all life for every life and every family represented standing here or even wherever they're at online and for the folks that didn't have the courage to stand but wanted to God would you split the heavens 
and reach down with your royal right hand and step into the lives of every need represented and deliver what only you can do. Not, not just a solution, but peace and joy and fulfillment and contentment. And would you bring into these lives an awareness spiritually, mentally, and even physically of your presence in them this day. Because we can trust in the name of Jesus, the son of the living God, who gave his life that we might have life. And who is praying for us even now. It is in that name that we pray all these things. Amen, amen, and amen. Come on, join us. Zach, let's sing that one more time. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his blood, just to know the same. Come on, church. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. How I prove Amen. Come on, church. Jesus, Jesus. Precious, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust Him more. Jesus, Jesus. How I trust Him. How I prove Him. Precious Amen. Jesus, Amen. oh, for grace to trust him more. Yes, Jesus, Jesus, yeah. precious Man, I believe Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Amen. him more. Amen. Y'all have a seat. I want to invite our team to prepare to take up our, our offering. And, uh, but I also want to take a moment and say, uh, bring the house lights up just a little bit more, if you would. I want to say thank you to our veterans today. Uh, you know, I, I didn't grow up in the home of a veteran, but I want to tell you how grateful I am for y'all. Yeah. If you have, uh, if you are or have or have someone in your immediate family that has or is serving in military service, would you stand up? Just stand up right now, yeah. Amen. Y'all stay up for just a minute. Amen. Y'all just remain standing. I, uh, for this pastor in this church, thank you guys. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, kids, when mom and dad was somewhere and they were about this work. I am grateful this morning. I didn't have to go through a checkpoint to get to church and open the Bible. I don't ever want to politicize the pulpit, but I will tell you this. Our founding fathers were pretty significant about what happens in that scripture is how we're to operate our lives, including how we're to operate this country. And apart from your bravery, apart from your sacrifice, there is no way we would. 
And so from one grateful American church to you, thank you. We got folks serving in Kenya right now. And I'll guarantee if you lined up 500 of the folks that they're with today, and you said, would you love to live in America? I know exactly what percentage would say, yes, I want to go there. We got, a, we got Carlos over in Spain right now helping plant our first church plant. And I guarantee every one of those folks would say, could we do it like you do in America? We're not perfect. I mean, my goodness. I mean, just, we are in a messed up world, are we not? Aren't you glad you woke up with freedom? Aren't you grateful that you woke up this morning and you, you, you really could carry a Bible and sit anywhere you wanted and read it? And for those of you that are educators, administrators, and counselors in the public schools in and around our area, can I just tell you, thank you? I, I just wanna to say to you guys, we talk a lot about, you know, we ought to be able to pray in school. I hadn't been in a single school in all the 11 we serve that you can't pray in, not one. I ain't been in one. Yeah, clap, that's a good thing. But you know why? That's courageous men and women who know what that book stands for. But guess what? They're, they're also loving your kids and teaching them and they had the freedom to do it because of what you folks standing up did, thank you. We are a grateful people. Thank you. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. Uh, let's give today, man. Last week we did uh, Imagine Zero. Next Sunday, we're gonna show you how we did. I, I got a sneaking feeling we're close, Zach. I got a sneaking feeling we're close. There are about five people in here. I didn't give Jack yet. They gotta come through. So I'm counting on you. Lord, let's, uh, let's always remember to give you praise. You alone are who we put our trust in. You alone are who we serve and who we honor this day. And every dime that's given in this offering, let it go to serve your kingdom. Lord, let us make a difference in people's lives, not only in 11 public schools, but in our community and beyond for our team in Kenya today. I pray people in Kenya would know Jesus today because your church is there. God, I pray in Kissimmee, Spain, there will be people that come to know Jesus today because your church is there. And God, I pray in Haiti and those churches that are underway, that there'll be people to come to know Jesus because your church is there. And God, I pray we give because of that and because of you with a grateful and a joy-filled heart. In Jesus' name, amen. While y'all passing the plates, um, it is that time of year again. I had a lot of people say, you know, Chuck, when you, uh, you put so much into Imagine Zero and trying to get rid of this debt, what's gonna happen when we gotta have money to finish the end of the year? And my answer was, our folks are gonna give and they're gonna give like they always give and we're gonna be just fine. We're gonna trust God with that too. So uh, just do that. And we've got an opportunity right now. You know, every year we buy these meal boxes around Thanksgiving to help support Kim Phillips, our, one of our church members, and uh, she runs the uh, North Gwinnett Co-op. Uh, they they're gonna have a need for about a thousand boxes this year, and we would love to be able to provide about a hundred of those. They cost $50 a piece. So you can go out in the lobby and do that. You can go on the app and do that. You can put cash in a, envelope in the back and just write meal box or you can write a check in on the memo line put meal box and at the end of the service you get it to us that'd be 
Very, very cool. Something else I'm really excited about. On uh, December 9, we have a totally different kind of Christmas program coming for you. We're called the Sounds of Christmas. Uh, this is one of those that um, I, I just guarantee you, you want your family to come in town for this. You want your neighbors that don't do church to be here for this. It's going to be a great, great night. Make sure that you're a part of that. And then I think you've probably already seen what the city is making available. We'll put that on our website this week too. Man, they are killing it with everything going on in the city. But today I want to talk about my favorite subject and my greatest need, and that is the greatest commodity in the world, peace. Discovering and staying in peace. Now, some of us see peace like this picture. And uh, you're, you're messing with me up there, aren't you? There you go. Like for me, that right there, that's, that's peace at about 86 degrees and uh, humidity at about 68%. And the wind is little or nothing. And I have wallowed out a spot in a chair and I ain't moving. Are you with me? Now, some of you see peace like this. Because um, you're mountain kind of people, you know, and you, you, you woke up and you got your coffee and you look across the mountain, you stare across at your spouse and say, honey, I've never loved you more than this. It's so pretty out here. The problem is this is more what it looks like. We're in a chaotic world. We have broken peace as a society down into something we do. I'm guilty of this. That sometimes I don't allow my soul to be at peace until I have a geographical adjustment in my life. Like there's something about me, like when I leave Atlanta and about the time that I hit Volusia County, Florida, it's like, whew. don't you have a place like that? Where it's just like on your way, you just think, okay, I'm just at peace. I mean, we all have them. Some of you, you get to Blue Ridge and it's like, oh, you know, and then you get old and you're an empty nester. And then you move there and realize you're 87 miles from your doctor and 14 miles from Publix. And what did I do? <laughs> the problem in this messed up world is that we seem to stay in chaos and confusion. And by the way, that's not, that's not true of just this world. If you go all the way back to the first century, it was filled with chaos and confusion as well. Every generation has their version of chaos and confusion. Ours just happens to know more about it because of the amount of information, true or untrue, that is out there for us to digest. Now, I have found that we, we start losing degrees of peace from the minute we wake up. Like there are some of you tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up and the first thing you're going to do is you're going to pick up your iPhone and you're going to see a text from somebody you really didn't want to deal with at six. And you know what your day is going to be? I don't want, and you've already gotten off that rut. And then from there on, peace is gone. Because then it's like you're sitting at the stoplight and that lady that's in front of you that you can tell is doing her nails or her mascara at the light and the light has changed and she ain't gone yet. And it's been the equivalent of a nanosecond. And you're like, mm. and then she goes like this. And then you go like this. 
without all five fingers. You know who I'm talking to, don't you? Some of y'all were behind me this week. But now before we start pointing fingers at why peace is stolen from us, I think we ought to take a good look in the mirror, especially us church-going folk, because we're just as guilty, maybe even more so at times, especially with other Christians. You let some cat post on social media that they're trying to do something for the Lord, but it just doesn't sit well with you. All of a sudden, they are Satan's twin brother. And you feel compelled to tell the world about that. When you don't know them from Jack, never had a conversation with them and have no idea what they're trying to do. But you know what? They robbed your peace. But actually, you just let them come in the house and take what they wanted. Peace, I don't think, is something we do. I think we can find peace in the midst of this chaotic world. I believe peace can be found in the storms of a chaotic place. And I think we, peace can be discovered and we ought to desire peace of all things. Of all the things that, that I would want for you to have, I said a few weeks ago, I want you to know God. Well, watch this. One of the things that comes with you knowing God is the ability to discover peace all the time. A ability for you to have access to peace in every situation. Now, I actually alliterated my sermon for those of you that like that kind of preaching today. Okay, and I, it doesn't come easy for me. My brain was fried when I was done. But if you want to take notes or take pictures of the slides, I'll promise you, this is your day. If you feel the need to tell folks at your kid's ball game this week, now my preacher, he has points. I got you covered this week. Next week, game on. But today... I got you covered because a life without peace, watch this, is a life perpetually plagued with pessimism. Can I get just one? That's awesome. That's a weak crowd right there, man. You know why a life without peace is plagued with pessimism? Because pessimism is the tendency to see the worst in all things and expect the worst possible outcome. We all know them when we see them coming, don't we? So, man, we had a great day yesterday. Yeah, but, you know. Wow, what a great Christmas. Well, but it could have been. Man, I'm telling you, what a ball game. Should have won by more. You know them, don't you? If you're one of them, just let me see your hands. If you're, if you're self-professed, some of you right now are lying in the house of God. I have heard you and I have seen you and there are a lot more pessimists in here than the five people that raise their hand. A pessimist is a person who sees the glass half empty and wants to point it out to everybody. It's one thing to have a glass half empty. It's another to make sure everybody else knows about it. Now that's a real pessimist. I'm not talking about a fake one or a person with a bad day. Pessimists sometimes prefer to call themselves realists. Have you ever known that? Somebody challenges it and they say, well, you know what I am? I'm a realist. That's like an atheist saying, no, you know what I am? I'm an agnostic. It's the same concept. You just moved a degree upward. And I look at this and I think, wait a minute. The opposite of pessimism is hope. 
Think about this. The opposite of pessimism is hope, and the Bible is a book of hope. Listen to what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Okay, now watch this. So you've heard me use this description before, but if you're new around here, you may not. So in Bible times, they would have a, it was like a clay, tiny kind of flat genie lamp. And they'd wrap a kind of a cord kind of thing in it and they'd pull it out the genie side and put oil in it and then you'd light it. And this was, this was like a, their version of a spotlight or a flashlight at night when you didn't stumble on all those rocks in the Middle East, you'd walk like this. Have you ever wondered why so many older Jewish moms walk like this? It's probably because they've been walking ahead of their kids like this their whole life. He says this, my word is going to give you a light and that light is going to give you hope. Listen to me, friend. The Lord is the God of all hope. I pray, listen to this in Romans chapter 15. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. You want to move past pessimism, you got to go mine for hope. You can't get past pessimism. You can't get past that without hope. You can't get past every time somebody drives you back crazy on Tuesday morning without hope. You can't face whatever is ahead of you that caused you to stand up a minute ago without hope. From Genesis to the book of the Revelation, God weaves his theme of hope into the story of life. And he's woven that in there for you. Go all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy. And in chapter 30, here's what it says. In the future, when you experience all these blessings and curses I've listed for you, and when you are living among the nations to which the Lord your God has exiled you, take to heart all of these instructions. If at that time you and your children return to the Lord your God, and if you obey with all of your heart and all your soul, all the commands that I've given you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes. He will have mercy on you and gather you back from all the nations where he has scattered you. Nothing is more hopeful than to recognize this one thing. No matter where you are, where you've been, or which direction you're pointed in right now, God, the God of all hope says, I can redeem you from where you're at and I can help make the greatest difference in your life that will radically change your future, your family, your finances, and give you hope. A life without peace will make you a pessimist. But I'm so grateful the Lord is the God of all hope. Listen, God's ongoing effort and God's ongoing offer of restoration, it should overcome our natural pessimism. See, another way to look at pessimism is faithlessness. See, when I say you're faithless, you're like, no, I'm not. But if I say you're pessimistic, you're like, yeah, maybe so, yeah. Which would also cause me to believe with logic that when I say you're faithless, you might also say, yeah, well, But I would look at this and I would say, take a look at our social, political, and spiritual platforms here in 2018. We have evolved into a populist, a popularistic people. You know why? Because a life without peace is a life persistently pushed to populism. Come on, I got a lot of peas going today. I mean, you know what populism is, isn't it? I mean, populism leads us to speak in false tones, to live in fear or to live in failure, 
to hope in other people's affirmation and forget the powerful promises of God. Populism says, my number one job is to make sure you like what I said today and you want to keep me here. But you're nowhere in the scriptures has God said to me and you, we need to become populist and just make everybody like us. I had a couple in my office just a few weeks ago. We were talking about Imagine Zero. And they're, they're such great folks. I mean, really, these are just the dearest folks. And uh, I was talking to them about their gift. And they said, yeah, of course we're in. We love the church. Amen. That's great. And, and then she said, but you know, we don't really like you, Chuck. We love the church. We just don't like you. And I thought, well, I get that. I mean, there's a lot here not to like. I mean, what, what in the world? But I thought to myself, you know what? Even peace can get you past that. But seeking approval from more people will never lead you to peace. Can I tell you that in my own insecurity, there are days I walk off this platform and I think to myself, Chuck, that was the worst thing I've ever, what? You, you ought to get fired today. That was pitiful. You know, that's always the day that one of you sends some nice note that said, you know, my aunt in Sarasota was watching online and man, she just fell in love with the Lord today or my kid heard. And I, and I think to myself, this is what happens because a life without peace is gonna promote a pitiful perspective. You know, the, the scriptures, if you're, if you're working on my slides, guys, go back a couple of scriptures. And in the gospel of John chapter 14, verse six, listen to what Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. You know, when our perspective is something other than he is the way, the truth, and the life, we are going to make a mess of life. We really are. Listen to what Romans chapter 12 has to say. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Man, I have a great perspective when the Lord shows me that which is perfect, don't you? When you have one of those days where I've walked with the Lord and there's this sense of blessing in my life and there's this comfort of knowing I've walked with him, there's nothing like that. There is nothing like laying your head on the pillow and at night you're not fretting about the board meeting tomorrow. You're thinking, I am so grateful the Lord did this in my life today. I'm so grateful he used me today. I've come to believe that there's basically three kind of folks in this room or watching online week after week. Number one, there's, there are people that portray a peace that they don't truly possess. And there are people that possess a peace that they truly do. You know, that I, I gravitate toward folks who literally are the kind of people that portray a peace that they truly possess. There's a handful of people that I see all the time. And you know what? I gravitate toward them so much because you can't hide a soul at peace. You really can't. You can't hide a soul at peace. Now, you know what? The opposite is true too. You can't hide a soul that is waging war with God either. You can't hide those two extremes, but I'll promise you, none of us gravitate toward chaos because we've already got enough of it in our life. And I'm not here to try to say to you, that when you get the Lord in the right priority of your heart, all of life's chaos will stop. If anything, I'm saying you might even recognize it more. But one thing I know, you will thrive through it because you will be that person that has settled your heart and your soul and your mind on those things which matter most. And that, my friend, 
is a peace that you truly possess. But now there's another group here. There, there are people that perceive a peace that they cannot attain. My, life, my life's messed up. Chuck, it seems like I keep making a bad decision no matter what I do. It's like, what in the world? And you know what I'd say to, to you if you're in that camp today? You got to start with one step. Are you ready? I mean, counseling 101. Shane, you learned this in school. Well, 101 in counseling. Nothing changes until something changes. And you say, well, Chuck, just give me one step in the right direction. Okay, the scripture says, call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. And you say, well, Chuck, I don't even know what, how to call it. Okay, start with this. God, I'm a mess. I need you to come in and clean me up and fix me and forgive me. I need my life to start running toward you and, and not toward me and my buddies and my pals and everything else I'm getting in trouble with. And I need to choose you. And would you come in and take over? And I want to thank you that you died for me and you rose from the grave to pay for my sin. Would you come in? Friend, you want peace? You better start there because without it, you got no hope. And you say, well, Chuck, that's not very pastorly to tell me I don't have any hope. Okay, well, let me say it nicer. You don't have a chance. You don't have a hope and you got nothing to look forward to apart from Christ. Why not surrender today? Well, Chuck, that sounds like old time fire breathing. Preach it. Okay, let me try it one more time. Apart from Christ, you will bust hell wide open and you will not have heaven. I don't care what Oprah thinks. Sorry. And third, there are people that pretend they have a peace that's not present. Because you can't put a jacket on and clean up your shoes and go to church and fake peace. You can't fake it. I mean, speaking from a person that's fought weight his entire adult life, you know, it's, it's like fat. You can't hide it. You can't strap it up. You can't put on enough black. You can't wear enough. You, you, you can't hide it. You know what else you can't hide? You, you can't hide when you're trying to fake peace. I wonder which category you're in. Because the single greatest commodity on the planet is peace. Listen to what Paul said in chapter 4. He said, when you're fretful... He unpacks this key to peace. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as long as you live in Christ Jesus. And you know what? Nowhere in there did we see one of those things, pick a box and check it. He said right out of the gate, Here's the key. You want peace? Stop worrying about all that other junk and instead pray about everything. You say, Chuck, I don't do the prayer thing well. Well, we're going to try that in a minute. Because it's, it's not hard, I promise you. It's just, it's not as hard as y'all think it is. I, I want to I try, try to share with you, there have been times in my life that I have needed the peace of God that surpasses all understanding and I couldn't find it. I, I'm just, I, I'll, I, when your spouse passes away, when your parents are gone, when your sister passes away, when you lose everything, when you blend a family, when you send kids to college, when you bail them out of jail, you just line it all up. I've had seasons where it's like, Lord, I've about had all this peace that passes all understanding. I've about had all that I want because it ain't working for me. And you know what the Lord does? You know what, Chuck? Is there gas in a truck to go pick that kid up? Well, yes, sir. Okay. Do you have a home you can bring them home to? Yes, sir. 
You got food you can give them? Yes, sir. Do you think under your roof you have the opportunity to extend grace and let them figure out don't be stupid anymore? Yes, sir. Chuck, could you stop being stupid too and trust me? Yes, sir. Well, then, you know, let's get back together. Let's find us some peace. I want to give you a quick one and we'll wrap up. Here's, a, here's three quick things for you to do this week to discover peace. Number one, I want you every day to look in the mirror and say, I know that God has a plan for me. All right, say it with me. I know. Come on, say it with me. I know God has a plan for me. Did anybody to your right or left not say that? Because I'll promise you, listen, friend, you got to look in the mirror. You got to know God's got a plan for me. He promises. Listen, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Aren't you glad God defines disaster differently than you do? Isn't that good? Secondly, I want you to be able to look in the mirror and know that he is your source of power. That your source of power, if you're looking for peace, some days you got to get, you got to power through whatever's there to get to peace. And he's your power. Listen, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. You want perfect peace? Listen to the prescription. God will keep in perfect peace all who trust in him. He hadn't made it hard. All right, Lord, I'm going to trust you with this mess. I'm going to trust you with this messed up world. Can I just give you, this doesn't sound very biblical, but let me just give you some self-awareness questions to ask yourself. Number one, what are you allowing the enemy to fill your head with? I mean, seriously, like, what what are you allowing the enemy to fill your head with? Is the enemy whispering in your ear or possibly screaming in your ear, you ain't good enough? Listen, you deserve hell, bro. You don't truly believe somebody would actually die for you and go through all that for you, do you? I mean, what, is the, what are you letting the enemy spin in your head? Secondly, I want to ask you this question. What have you been telling yourself or calling yourself? Listen, friend, I've spent so many years learning how when I do something dumb to say, Chuck, you idiot, that you know what? I started believing it. Can I tell you? God made no mistake when he made the wonderful you. He made you and said, that's really good. You were not born a screw up or an idiot. You were born a child of God. You were an image bearer of the most high God. Live like it, walk like it, talk like it, act like it, react like it. I'm gonna get fired up here in a minute. And thirdly, What have I been focused on thinking about more than anything else? And if it's anything other than the peace found in Jesus alone, you got to reverse the sentence and the order of thinking. Have you ever noticed that what God wants is our heart and what he does with our heart renews our mind and that right in the middle of that is our mouth? And when a renewed head is not going on and, and, and a redeemed heart is not going on, you know what comes out of the mouth? Anything but peace. And finally, I want you to know that God can provide every single need you have. Again, in Philippians 4, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. 
Listen, friend, whatever's weighing heavy on your mind and your heart, whatever it is that's caused you to doubt his plan, whatever it is that's allowed the enemy to take hold of your mind and steal your peace, take that to the Lord in prayer today. Just earnestly pour out your heart to him. I see folks in my office when I say, let's pray. I see folks who've gone through the worst grief or in the thick of it or an awful divorce or a miserable marriage or a family that's upside down. And I'll say, let's pray. And you know what inevitably happens? They, they reach over and they hold each other's hand and, and they engage in that prayer. But, you know, rarely do I say to somebody, why don't you pray for y'all? You know what I get back? Mm. I, I I'd rather let the professional do it. Y'all, Jesus never taught us that prayer was reserved for somebody that's a professional prayer. There's no such thing. And you know what? You don't, you don't have a church you've got to go through. You ain't got a priest you've got to go through. You don't have a preacher you've got to go through. Let me tell you something. Jesus loves you so much. He said, there ain't no middleman. I'm not going to ask somebody to die and give their life and shed their blood and be buried in a borrowed tomb and raised three days later for you. I'm going to do it for you. And because I'm willing to do it for you, I want you to come directly to me. Yeah, you don't need anybody else but him. So today, I want you to pray with me. Just go ahead, bow your head, close your eyes. And if today you want to settle that this Jesus is for you right now at this time, and you say, Chuck, I want that peace that only Jesus can bring into my life, and I want to start by giving my life to him once and for all. I'm dealing with this. I did it as a kid. I didn't know what I was doing. I did it as a student because I was sleep deprived. I did, whatever, I don't care. Let this be your prayer. Jesus, I need your peace. I, I need your forgiveness. Come in my life. I want to live for you. I want to stop living for me. I want to stop living for this world. I want to live for you. And I want to accept the fact that you died for me. You shed your blood for me and your body was broken for me and you were buried dead as could be in an old borrowed tomb. But Jesus, I want to accept that you walked out of that tomb on day three and you pushed that stone away. And today you sit by the right hand of God the Father and you welcome me into heaven if I'll trust you right now. And if that's the prayer of your life right now, I want you to stand up. I don't care where you're at, just stand up. There is no possible way in a crowd like this that nobody would say, bless the Lord, amen. Come on, folks, really? Amen. 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 Yeah, amen. I'm telling you, folks, I believe heaven pitches a party when people say, Jesus, I'm taking you, I'm trusting you, and I want you to 
bring me peace. Father, hear these prayers. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, we pray all these things. Amen. Let's everybody stand.